This is the Citizen of Heaven podcast number 205, Ministry, Part 2. I'm Hal Hammonds, and I am a citizen of heaven, and your embedded correspondent in Satan's world. Thanks for coming back. It can be easy to convince ourselves that serving ourselves is tantamount to serving the body of which we are a part. In truth, it can be exactly the opposite. We pursue this idea in the second part of my conversation with Scott Taylor and Ryan Joy. Ryan preaches for the North Church of Christ in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and co-hosts the Bible Geeks podcast. Scott Taylor is a preacher and shepherd for the West Mason Church of Christ in the Cincinnati area. He also co-hosts the You Are From God podcast. In his book, Immeasurable, Sky Jathani pushes back against the paradigm he refers to as Church Inc. or Church Incorporated. Symptoms include leadership that emphasizes systems over relationships, preachers governed by their ambition instead of their love, and self-examination that is rooted in counting sins instead of building a relationship with God. What is best for the church, meaning the corporate structure, is not always best for the members or for the cause of Christ. It got me thinking, can we be guilty of using the church to further personal agendas? And if so, how can we self-identify and self-correct? Yes, we can. There's there's no question that as preachers, one of the things that we can do and leaders that we can do is make it about me. I can make things that it's easier for me to do it this way. I want people to do it my way, even though I may try to justify that I'm trying to do this for God. This it's the dangerous part of of making sure or striving to to make sure that we're serving him. That's what, you know, first Corinthians twelve, thirteen, and fourteen again, that, that whole part of the division piece of it, a lot of it has come from the leadership. There's a lack of the leadership and the desire to be putting other things before God. And that's ultimately the issue that that we can have. It it's Second Timothy, the the third chapter, he he'll use the phrase, they hold to a form of godliness, you know, but they deny its power. That's that's so quickly um, is how we can be as alleged Christians, and certainly you can be as uh, leaders as well. It's it's a very, very easy thing to do to become an ear tickler, as he'll go on and talk about in Timothy, rather than uh, a child of God and, and striving to, to be the people that we have been called to be. Yeah, I, I think it starts with taking what we are doing deeply seriously and gravely and soberly recognizing how serious it is to handle the word of God, how big a deal it is to try to influence someone and recognizing the influence we might carry with someone we don't even realize. And the more weight we bring and recognize in, in these areas of, of the work that we're trying to do, the more we will lean on God. And so for my, my own growth and my own life and work, I find that approaching each task that I take on in God's service as a spiritual discipline keeps me with a properly ordered life where God is where he needs to be. And it isn't really, not only is it not about me, but I'm not the source. I'm not the decider. I'm the one that is just laying my gifts before him, making myself available, seeking his wisdom. So 
the most important time I spend before a sermon is prayer is, you know, really being honest and open and allowing myself to be vulnerable to the word I'm going to be preaching and being really honest with God and with myself about where does this touch my life and really wrestling with where does this touch the lives of the people I'm going to be talking to and, and really taking an exegetical approach to the text that says, what do you want? What did the Holy Spirit intend to be said? What's the main point here? Not what's the cool idea I came up with, but what did you want to say? And then where does that intersect us? And really just partnering with God, constantly coming back, recognizing, I mean, this work humbles you. I mean, it does for me anyways, I guess it can go the other way too, but man, it, it sure makes you realize so little of it has to do with me and God is doing work beyond my abilities. And when I think I've preached a great lesson, maybe it's not, but when I preach a bad lesson in my mind, God is doing amazing things. And people are like, Oh, my life was changed by, because it has nothing to do with me. It's, it's about the power in the word and the power of all the prayers that have been offered. You know, our topic selection, I think is a spiritual discipline. You know, it's, it's a practice where we bring it before God and make it a devotional part of our life where we're thinking through. I mean, I have wrestled with balance in preaching more than any other thing probably in my, in, in my work is just what does God want taught here? What does Jesus want to be emphasized and how much should it be emphasized? How much should I bring specific issues? How much should I be talking about you know, Bible authority, how much should I be talking about love? How much should I be talking about the cross? I'm, you know, just really trying to constantly make sure that I'm not leaving something out that people need, but that I'm not overemphasizing something as a hobby horse or something that, you know, was emphasized in my youth that the scriptures don't emphasize in the same way or, or whatever, you know, just constantly, you know, our personal evangelism, our discipling, everything that we do has to be seen, I think, as, you know, we're the minor partner in this endeavor. This is God's project. And I just keep lowering myself and, and, you know, not to say I don't get out of line, but it is a humbling thing whenever I, I forget to lean on the Lord in that way. And it just keeps bringing me back. You know, for me, um, early on as a preacher, I got given some bad advice. I was told, don't ever talk about the things that you've struggled with. Mm. And when I first heard that, I was like, okay, I'll, t- I'll take that because of the person that's telling me that. That is the worst advice I think I've ever received. If we put ourselves above other people as uh, leaders, we're missing the whole point of our Savior, who was the perfect one who served, who who did all these things. And that's what I love about First Timothy, the fourth chapter, when he's talking about apostasy and all these things that were coming up. He tells them in verse six, and pointing out these things to the brethren, you will be good servant of Christ Jesus, constantly nourished on the words of the faith and the sound doctrine, which you have been following. And then he, he'll go on and he'll talk about fixing our hope on, on God. Let no one look down on your youthfulness. And then verse 16, he says, pay close attention to yourselves and your teaching persevere in all these things for you you do this you ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you i what i've learned in my life is that i if i'm focusing on growing in godliness it takes away the scott part of things mm-hmm. if i continue to use that term 
for me has really helped me out with this constant nourishment and what the purpose is behind what I'm doing. And that's helped out tremendously for me. And I, I'm sure everybody has their their ways of reminding themselves where this is all about. And But that word godly, I mean, just continuing to say that word to myself just really drives home for us uh, thick-headed people like myself that this is not about you. You can say something good, you know, and you can have a great sermon. Well, the reality is it's God's word or it better be God's word that we're teaching. And it's uh, that's where the glory needs to go and, and the, the, the desire to, to make sure that we're doing things for him. And, and to the same points that you all have been making, this is one thing to talk about it like we are in a podcast, but to do this on a daily basis is what I think the constantly nourishing part is so unbelievably important. The prayer life, all those things that we talk about all the time, but there's a reason why we talk about them all the time. If we forget those, it so quickly will become the Scott show. Well, Paul's a good example of both ends of this spectrum, like you were talking about before. Uh, Paul will, at least in his private letter to Timothy, uh, I think that it's fair to say that that would characterize his conversation in general. He's willing to talk about being the greatest of sinners. He's willing to say, you know, I was in a bad place. I, I did some things wrong. He doesn't dwell on it unnecessarily. It's not beating yourself up in public, you know, giving yourself 40 lashes in the public square or anything. But there is no hesitancy in bringing up his shortcomings, his shortfalls. Philippians chapter three is another good example of that. I'm still pressing forward. I'm still reaching, reaching for something better. And when he is dragged kicking and screaming into qualifying himself, he, he says in so many words, I speak as though insane. You know, do I really have to talk about this? Do I really have to talk about why I'm qualified to speak on this subject? Okay, I will. But it's it's I'm embarrassed for myself and I'm really embarrassed for you that we have to go through this. The, the time comes for us to flash our credentials every once in a while, but that should not be the first club out of the bag. That should not be our knee-jerk reaction. I am a wonderful person and a great preacher and the best Christian you've ever known, and therefore you need to listen to what I have to say. That's not the approach that God's people have taken, not the good ones anyway. That sounds a lot more like the Antichrist types that the New Testament talks about. Yeah, the irony of the way Paul does that, Second Corinthians is the book that I think of the most, where he is so vulnerable and so having to defend himself, but like you said, it's you know it's so awkward having to say why you're great, <laughs> and and what he ironically does ultimately to show why he's qualified is he shows what a mockery he is, what in the world you know how he is being led in this triumphal procession as as a slave or a prisoner of Christ. And how he boasts in his weakness and, and how he's learned that in his weakness, God's strength is is perfected. And and so Second Corinthians becomes this great example for those of us who are trying to be change agents in the church in any role to see the power of being open and being weak, you know, just owning the fact that we are imperfect, that we are going through struggles that are overwhelming and difficult. And sometimes we're in despair and sometimes we have been self-deceived and we've needed to straighten ourselves out. And the more people can hear that, it actually lends credibility because we're being real. They see themselves 
in us. You know, you don't make that up and you don't, you don't highlight it. Like it's, it's some kind of great thing. You talk about the shame of it. You talk about the difficulty of it. I mean, it shouldn't just be in our preaching. It should be just the way we are with, with each other because grace gives Christians a net to walk out on the tightrope of seeing ourselves more clearly and to be able to be honest and speak the truth because we found that God loves us anyway. And we are going to keep striving and keep trying. And we have seen growth as he's continued to work in us. All those things are really encouraging, but they come out of our brokenness and our pain. And not to defend the one who was giving Scott the horrible advice necessarily, but I I was just uh, this week reading from Psalm 73 and the obligation, to a certain degree at least, I think you can overstate this, but the obligation that we have to project strength, to project confidence and faith among others. He's complaining uh, about being stricken all day long, verse 14, chastened every morning, etc. And then he says in verse 15, if I had said, I will speak thus, behold, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. He's found himself in a moment of weakness there. If we can use that as an opportunity to tell people, I have weaknesses too. And in those moments, I turn to Jesus and I find my strength in him. That's one thing. If I'm going to get up in front of the church and say, hey, you know what? I had a rotten week. I felt betrayed and beat upon and and Bible study really didn't do much for me. And I'm thinking about quitting uh, this whole thing here. I, I'm just not sure about this whole God thing. The church doesn't need to hear that. You know, if I'm going through that, I need to get out of the pulpit. I need to get some counseling. You find some friend to build me up and decide one way or the other. But there's always an opportunity to find strength, whether it's in our leadership, ideally in our leadership. But even if the leadership is not all that strong in the moment, find the strength in Jesus. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's what ultimately this all comes down to. What's the purpose of even talking about myself or anything when I'm preaching or talking to other people? If it's about bringing me glory or look what I've done or look what I've overcome, all those things and take God out of the picture. You're missing the opportunities that are, that are before us. And I happen to still be in first uh, Timothy four, but it'll talk about you be an example to those who believe you're not going to be an example to everybody. Not everybody's going to want to see how you handle these things. And, but it says in verse 15, take pains and these things be absorbed in them so that your progress may be evident to all people are going to see it if they want to see it. And I think sometimes we worry about the people that don't see it or don't want to see it as though, as I think one of you had said earlier, we can't change them. I mean, that's, that's the hungry thing. That's what you had talked about, that it's up to them whether or not they're going to see Jesus in us or if it's just going to be about us and, and kind of missing the point. I, I think from a leadership standpoint, that's really what this comes down to. Yes, I am a sinner. By the grace of God, I have the opportunity to be his child, and I just want to show you him. And I will step out of the way and I just want you to see him and all the things that I do. And the amazing thing is when I, when I fail and I'll fail, I'm a human. Um, I'm going to show you what else he's able to do, which is forgive and continue to forgive. And I think if we have that humble attitude, it shines that hopefully kind of just leads into what, like we've been talking about constantly being absorbed in him and striving to be like him. If we could just keep that as our focus, it's amazing the distractions that go away or at least the things that we don't care about anymore that that are stumbling blocks or potential stumbling blocks for other people. Yeah, I, I'm, I appreciate the point that you made, Hal, and, and your comments there, Scott. I think what we were talking about could be misunderstood 
for sure to say that we're we're talking primarily about ourselves or this there's some kind of focal point on whether it's our strength or our weakness or anything about us the point is just to talk about the word to talk about the lord to point to the truth and to honestly apply it there doesn't need to be any pretending about it and we certainly don't have anywhere to lead people if we're in the depths if we're in the dark and we're lost and floundering we have nothing to offer but if we have been there and we're on the other side and we know we will be there again maybe someday we'll we'll have more than we can handle or, and we fall on the lord and we we find hope in him again being able to speak from experience has power. I once heard somebody say preaching is scripture brought through the fire of someone's life. You know, we could just get up there and read a Bible passage and that would have power. That would have value, but it's not preaching. Preaching is when we take that and say, now here is how this can change us. And we apply it and we connect the scriptures together to the situation of our hearers and our own situation. Yeah, that's what I think so neat about uh, First and Second Peter. When you read it from the perspective of what Peter had done and the things that he went through, you come away with a different perspective of of some of the things that he wrote. Same with John in his writings, Paul, obviously, as we've been talking about. And so, to your point, it's one thing to get these amazing words, which are obviously from God, but you also get to see people that were imperfect, how they allowed it to change their lives, and how they allowed themselves to grow and. And that's all leading back to God, which is obviously the the goal for all of us that we're that we're striving to do. I have known of people in my life, and you probably have too, a lot of them are preachers, who have this very strong tendency to make themselves the hero of all the stories that they tell. <laughs> you know. And uh, some of them have very good stories, very informative stories, very practical stories. I think preachers maybe more than most except for maybe firemen, policemen, people like that, are in position to tell stories that are gripping and that are resonant and and relevant. And in those situations, I try to be understanding and loving and draw whatever kind of benefit I can from that. But I can't help but be a little bit concerned about that. I don't know exactly how big of a problem this is. I guess I'm asking you guys how big of a problem this is. When we are up in the pulpit and talking about this great thing that I did and this lesson we can all draw from it or whatever, at some point, does that become more about me telling the story of me and less about me telling the story of Jesus? And how how can we distinguish? Yeah, there's a scene from a TV show, I remember, where a guy is thinking about what talk what story to give at uh, an event i think about the anniversary with his wife or his wife's birthday or something like that and there's a story he wants to tell that his friend says you know what don't tell that story i know your wife is a character in that but that's a story about how you're cool (laughs) that's that doesn't accomplish the purpose even though it's a great story and even though it touches on this person that you're going to talk about, our stories need to be about the one that we're up there to talk about. This event that we have, the event is our lives, and it's all about the Lord. You know, uh, when we're gathered in the Lord's name, 
we are there to present why he is so worth following and so holy and different than anything else. I have this in my mind because I just taught that class on on preaching and teaching. Just public speaking makes us very self-conscious when we first start doing it. You know, maybe it doesn't ever completely go away. I know I find myself after a sermon, you know, the next day I'm replaying. Did I say that right? Did that work? There's you're just putting so much out there in front of people and you want to make sure you're understood and and you can get caught up in wanting to look good instead of wanting to do good. Yeah. That's where all of this stuff that we talked about in the last half hour about our devotional, our prayer practice, our time with the Lord, our time just working through this stuff is so important so that we can leave all that stuff aside as best we can and get up there and be clear about our purpose. I do think that's an issue. I think that gets to a bigger issue maybe than just telling a story where you're the hero, but it gets to an issue about are we clear on what we're here to do? Yeah. And I think that's what this comes down to. You know, the motivation behind why somebody would tell a story. Is it is it to show that I'm the hero? I think of 1 Corinthians 14, and this may be interesting. There's one of my favorite phrases in this uh, chapter when he's talking about spiritual gifts. But he's talking about what's the point of speaking in tongues if nobody's going to understand. And the phrase in verse 9, he says, Unless you utter by the tongue speech that is clear, how it will be known what is spoken, for you will be speaking into the air. And I think sometimes <laughs> we do a lot of speaking into the air. What was the point of me telling this story? And then he go, he'll go on and say the key is encouragement or edification of the church. What's the purpose? Is it encouragement or edification of me? Or is it of helping the church or of Jesus? And ultimately, a lot of this, all of this, quite frankly, comes back to the heart. I mean, I've been in situations you guys probably have as well when somebody's doing the Lord's Supper presiding and it becomes about them. You're thinking that's totally missing the point of, of what, why we're here. And anybody can do that. A song leader, we can as, as preachers. It always comes back to our hearts and making sure that we're first and foremost, and I think as Ryan said earlier, looking in the mirror ourselves to see Jesus, to see if that's the purpose as to why we're doing this, or to really understand we're just speaking to the air. We want people to hear me. That is the danger. It's the temptation also, though, because you do have people looking and listening and that can be a temptation if we don't remind ourselves of the godliness that we're striving to have. And I've been tempted by that over the years. And it just comes down to the truly understanding who he is. And uh, he's the king of kings. I just happen to be hopefully an instrument that is is bringing people to him. And, and if we can keep that perspective, it hopefully will squash a lot of the temptations that come our way to try to talk about our favorite subject many times, which is which is us. <laughs> You've been listening to the Citizen of Heaven podcast. Thank you for your support. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe through your favorite podcast platform and or on YouTube. Comments, corrections, and suggestions are always welcome. Please feel free to follow me through Facebook, MeWe, Parlor, or Instagram, or check out my webpage, www.halhammonds.com. Until next time, be strong and courageous, fight the good fight of faith, and do all things in the name of the Lord Jesus. This is Hal Hammonds, the Citizen of Heaven, signing off.